When the Arusa receives Mazinus, according to Reb Tarfan, he can give her Mazinus in the form of all Truma. But according to Rabbi Akiva, he has to give her half Chulun and half Truma. But if she's in a Sua, everyone agrees you can only give half Truma and half Chulun. Because you have to anticipate that she'll have some days of Tuma, and she won't be able to go out of the house and sell some of this Truma in order to get money to buy Chulun to have money to eat. Because we say, She should really be inside. Therefore, since we have to worry about her having food when she's Tameh, he has to give her at least half Chulun. According to Yehuda ben Becerra, he can give her two-thirds Truma, but at least one-third has to be Chulun. Here the Gemara brings on the Pasuk of Kinyan Kaspai, and we have here a famous machlekes between the Pnei Yeshua and the Avnei Meluim. The question goes, what happens if a person goes over to a very close relative like a mother or a sister or an aunt and says, Hareat mikudeshes li zu. Now we know that they can't really make a Kedushan because these people are are, are, are Arias to them. According to the Pnei Yeshua, this Kedushan would be no good since she's if she's married already. She's already taken. Somebody already has a Kenyan on her. And we say, The person can't be kinder because she's already married to someone else. This would be the equivalent of selling the book to one person and then selling the book, the same book, to somebody else. Once you sell the book to Ruvain, the book belongs to Ruvain. You can't sell it to Shimon anymore. But the Avni Malum says it has nothing to do with Kinyanim, but rather the reason that he can't marry her is because in Kedushin Taifsin Bechayve Krisis. The next mission. If someone is Maktish the Maisa Yadeha of a person's wife, she can ignore it. But if he's maktish, the extra money, the meiser, then it's a machlekes if this becomes hektish or not. According to a mayor, it does. According to a Yechon Sandler, it does not. The Gemara. If a woman says, I am waiving my right for you to have, to give me mezainus, but you can't have any meiser yadeha either. In other words, normally we know that there's a, a pure exchange here. A man is mechuyev to give his wife mezainus in exchange for the woman's giving him her meiser yadeha. Let's say she says, I don't want that. She's allowed to do it. Since the whole takana of giving her maisiyada to the husband is that so she should be able to get food. That's the condition. That's the deal. So this is basically good for her. It was for her own good and security. But if she doesn't want this benefit, in other words, of being fed by him, then she can waive the whole right in the first place. If a man tells a woman, you will become makudish to me after you become a gieris, or after I'm freed, then we say the kedushin is not good. Since we say, ain't adam makdish davar shalai bala but Rameir holds that a person can be maktish adavar shaloba li'aylam. Tafnun tes. Shmuel says that the halacha is like Rabbi Yechan and Asandler in the Mishnah, that if a man is maktish, the maiser, maiseyadaha, that money remains chulen and does not become hektish. If a woman makes a kainam, which is a vow that asers a person from getting benefit from a certain cheftza, and she makes this kainam on her maiseyadaha, so the Tanakhama says the husband doesn't need to nullify this vow since it isn't chal at all. Rabbi Akiva says the husband should do hafaras nadarim, since it's like kedushas haguf, so it might be chal. There are three cases where the chalais of hektish can take a shibud off a certain item. These cases are only by kedushas haguf, not by kedushas damim. These three cases are hektish, chametz, or shichro. The Mishnah. These are the types of work that a wife is mechuyev to do for her husband. Grinding, baking bread, washing clothes, cooking, nursing of the children, making the bed, and working the wool. If she brought maids along with her, then she is putter from certain work since she now has help, so she shouldn't have to do all of it herself. But she should always do some work because sitting around the house idle can lead to znus and can make her a little bit crazy. And the Gemara says, 
This Mishnah wouldn't be like Rebchia, since he holds the purpose of a wife is either for her beauty, to have children, or for jewelry. And the Mishnah says the purpose is to do work, which will diminish her beauty, according to Tysus. Any person who wants his wife to look beautiful should clothe her in pishtan. If he wants his daughter to have a nice complexion, he should give her milk to drink before she matures. Tafsamach. The Gemara asks, how many months does it take for a child to recognize his mother, and he won't nurse, therefore, from anyone else, because he only recognizes and only wants to take milk from his mother? It's a machlek as if this is three months, 30 days, or 50 days. So if after that point, if you try to switch mothers, that it would be a sakana for the child, since he'll refuse, therefore you're not allowed to switch mothers at that point. The Gemara asks, how long should a baby nurse for? Rabbi Yezer says, for 24 months maximum. After that, it's like kiyaynik shekets, and it's not nice. Rabbi Yehuda says he can nurse for up to four to five years. The Gemara says the milk of a human being is not tame, and is mutter not only for a child, but even for anyone else, as long as it was first put into a kli. It was perished from the mother. Of course, for a baby, direct breastfeeding, of course, is mutter. However, blood of a human being is mutter only while it is still part of the body. This is exactly the opposite of the milk for a regular person. For a baby, breastfeeding is mutter, but for anyone else to drink the milk of a human being, it first has to be put into a kli. Blood is just the opposite. The only time that it's mutter to be sucked on is when it's still part of the body. But once it goes out into something else or a piece of food or, or a kli, then it's also to be. So for example, if a person has blood in the gums of his teeth, then it can be sucked. Once it comes out onto the food, that food becomes usr. It's interesting also to point out that the Rambam holds basar adam is usr to eat midaraisa. The Ramban holds Basar Adam is Asr Mitter Abana. As background, the milking of an animal on Shabbos or Yontav is Asr because of Mefarik. This is detaching, which is a tolda of dash, threshing. Milking is turning food into a liquid. That's Pshat and threshing. Others say that it's Asr because of Mamachik, because of smoothing. And the Gemara says if someone is in pain on Shabbos, not because of Sakonis Nefashis, but he's just in pain, he's not, he's not suffering to the point of Sakonis Nefashis, then he can suck milk out of an animal on Shabbos. If it's done, kila acher, yad. The Gemara says if a nursing mother's husband died, she should not marry again, according to a mayor, until the baby is 24 months old. According to a Yehuda, she should not remarry until the baby is 18 months old. This, of course, should not be re- confused with the halacha we said before, of havchana, of waiting three months to remarry. That's a completely different halacha. This particular halacha is to ensure that if she becomes pregnant from husband number two and her milk will lessen because she becomes pregnant, the baby will almost be weaned off his dependence for milk. Otherwise, the new father may not be willing to buy eggs and milk for the stepchild and will be a sakana for the stepchild. The Gemara says, according to a mayor, regardless of circumstances, a woman must wait three months after divorce or death of her husband before remarrying. This is the halacha of Havchana which is in Yavamas, that we need to know if the woman becomes pregnant is the son from the original father or from this new father. And we paskin like this since we always paskin like Remeir when he issues a preventative measure, a gzera. The Gemara says once a woman is nursing one child, she shouldn't nurse a second child at the same time. And while nursing, she shouldn't drink or eat things like beer or earth, pumpkins or curdled milk, which could damage the quality of her milk. People who have tashmish in a mill will have epileptic children. And if people eat clay, they'll have ugly children. Those who eat meat and drink wine will have healthy children. Those who eat fish will have beautiful children. Those who eat eggs will have children with large eyes. Those who eat esroigim will have fragrant children. 
Although today these particular behaviors that we just mentioned don't necessarily have any meaning, the Ramah says that a pregnant woman should be very makbed on kashrus because if she's not, it could potentially hurt the child. If a woman wants to nurse a child and the husband doesn't want her to, we listen to her since she'll be in pain if she does not nurse the child because the milk will be in her and sometimes that's painful. Even if she has many servants, she must still pour his wine, fix his bed, and wash his hands and feet in order, as Rashi says, to enhance their relationship. But if she's a nida, then she cannot do these three things. The Gemara says, Rava, Abaya, and Shmuel's wife, when they were nidas, used to do meziga sakais, but they did it with a shinai. However, haishata is usr. Haishata means that a nida cannot pass something directly from her hand onto his hand. Just a little bit of a background. We know, Midaraisa, if a woman sees dam, she becomes a nida for a period of seven days. It doesn't matter if she sees dam for one, two, or all seven days. Seven days is the zman nida. If on the seventh day she stops seeing dam, and she goes to the mikvah on the night of the eighth, then she becomes tar. Back then, we also know Midaraisa, if she sees dam after this point of seven days, any time over the next 11 days, she can potentially become a zava, because these 11 days are called the yamei zivus. So we see there's an ongoing cycle. After these 11 days, she can become a nida again. That's why these 11 days are referred to as the echadasar yayim shebe nida le nida. So if a woman can be either in her period called yamei nida or the period called yamei ziva. If it's within the 7 days, then she's in the period of yamei nida. If it's within the 11 days, she's in the period of yamei ziva. During the yamei ziva, if she sees dam one day, then she needs one day of tahara, goes to the mikvah, and that evening she becomes tahara. This is what we call Shemeris Yayim Keneged Yayim. If she sees Dam for two days, she's also considered a Shemeris Yayim Keneged Yayim. And then she can become Tahar. However, if she sees Dam for three days in a row, then she becomes a Zava Gemura, and she must wait seven days, which we call the Shiva Nikiyam. Go to the mikvah on the seventh day. She brings a carbon on the eighth day, then she can eat Kacha. That was back then. And Midaraisa, this is how the Halakha applied. Midaraisa, we weren't as machmer to say that just seeing a little bit of Dam, that a woman who becomes a full Nida, or a woman who becomes a full Zava. However, today, Mirabanan, we say that Benoist Yisrael, Hechmiran al-Atzman, that they wait seven days on any side of blood. And this is, in fact, how we paskin today. These are the, we call the Shivanakim. In the Mechaber, Kuftzadi Hei, Sif Yud, he paskins that Anida can do all these malachas for her husband, except for Meziga Sakais, unless it's done with a Shinai. Making a bed is also in front of him, but it's mutter if he's not around. And for washing, she surely can't touch him but she also cannot bring him water either for the purpose of washing his feet, hands, or face. Because it's, this is called derechiba, and this could potentially lead to znus. Thigabar brings down a maizim that there were two chasidim. One used to feed his waiter before he served the food, and one used to feed his waiter after the waiter already served him the food. And Eliyahu Anavi came to talk with the chasid who fed his waiter first, but he did not visit the chasid who fed his waiter afterwards. And Thigabar says that a man cannot force his wife to prepare food for his i.e. the husband's father, the husband's son, or the husband's horse. But he can't force her to feed his cows, since this is not really stamp for him, but rather they need the, the cows for milk for, that, for her house also. Therefore, he can't force her to feed the cows. The Mishnah. If a person asers himself from having marital relations with his wife, according to Beishamai, the Isra lasts for two weeks. But according to Beishil, the Isra lasts for one week. A Talmud Chacham, is allowed to learn Tyra without the rishus of his wife for a period of up to 30 days. However, a worker can only leave his wife without her rishus for up to one week. And the Gemara says, 
The machlekes between Beis Hillel and Beis is learned from the amount of time a woman is tame when she gives birth. According to Beis he learns from a woman who has a girl. Therefore, she's tame for two weeks. That's the two-week period. But according to Beis he learns from the birth of a boy, and that is that a woman becomes tame for a period of one week. Rav says if a man made a neder, that he asers tashmish on his wife forever, we make him give her a get immediately, and he has to give her the ksuba money. According to Shmuel, we wait to see if he can be matir neder. Daf samach beis. Mara asks, what if she doesn't mind if he goes away for a long time to learn Torah? Mara answers, there needs to be some sort of a time limit. Rab says he can go away for one month, and then he has to be home for one month. According to Rabbi Yechanan, he can go away for one month, but then he has to be home for two months. The Gemara says sighing is not good for a person. When a person sighs, sort of a breath of a sigh, it's not good for him as it can destroy his body. If people get used to tsaris, it becomes easier to deal with them the second time around. The Gemara says the amount of parnasa that a person makes is always bashert. The wives of Talmidei Chachamim, who wait up all night for their husbands to return from the base Medrash, they will be zeicha to'elam haba. People who have a lot of food and no worries are mechuyiv in the mitzvah of Aina, Tashmish, every single night. La halacha, we paskin like this, but only if the person is physically strong enough to do it every single night. The Aina, period of Aina for laborers, is twice per week. But if they travel, it's only once per week. If they travel on ships, then it's even less. If a woman knows her husband is traveling, she gets happy if she thinks he might be coming home versus a man who made a netter. And then the wife is completely unhappy, since Tashmish would be usher. As we say, Meaning to say that if a person at least knows they have pas basale, i.e., he knows that her husband is traveling, but he might be coming home, so it's pas basale. Compared to a person, a woman, whose husband made an error that he can never have, so it's like she'ain pas basale. She knows she can never have Tashmish, so she's very unhappy. The Gemara says that a woman would rather have less money but be together with her husband more than have more money and see him less. From here we learn that if a man wants to take a better paying job, but it will affect the Aina frequency, he'll see his wife less, therefore he'll have Tashmish less, then he must get Rishus from his wife in order to take this new job. Rabbi Yenison Eibshitz brings a riot to this from the Gemara and Brachas, where the Gemara brought down Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, when he was asked to become the Nasi, he said he would have to ask his wife's permission before he took that particular job. According to the Chachamim, a Talmud Chacham is allowed to go to learn from t- for two to three years, even without his wife's rishus. The Gemara says the Zman of Aina for a Talmud Chacham of Tashmish is Friday night, Leil Shabbos. The Mishnah points out that a man is mechuyev to provide special chiba to his wife, both Friday night and before Shabbos starts. The Shittimikubetza says, when the Gemara says, Aina's Talmidei Chachamim may Erev Shabbos at Erev Shabbos, this means that the Zman Aina can be either Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday evening not just Friday evening. Reb Hanina once went away to learn for 12 years, and when he returned and his wife saw him, she died in shock because she wasn't expecting him. He was mispal, and she was able to be revived. Reb Chama also went away for 12 years, but instead of coming home by surprise, he sent a message home first that he was on his way home so his wife would not be surprised. The Gemara then relates the famous story of Rabbi Akiva, that he was a shepherd, until his master's daughter offered to marry him if he went to learn Torah. So he married her and went to learn Torah for 12 years. When he returned, he came with many Talmidim. But before he actually got home, 
he overheard his wife tell an old man that she wished he would learn for another 12 years. Serbi Akiva now saw that he had her rishus, and before he even stopped him to say hello, he made an about face, and he went to learn Tyra for another 12 years by Rav. After 24 years, he finally returned with 24,000 Talmidim, and he told his wife that the credit for all the Tyra belongs to her as well. The Telza Rav, Rabbi Yosef Leib Blach, Zechorin Levracha, remarks how this incident indicates the importance of continuity in regard to learning Tyra. He explains that the reason Rabbi Akiva did not even enter his house at all was because 2 times 12 years does not equal to 24 years of continuity. The knowledge acquired and the advantage gained from the persistent study of 24 continuous years without any interruption was much greater and more significant than a person studying for two separate periods of 12 years. The Me'iri on Mishle elaborates on this point, and he says a large part of the success and accomplishment that comes with learning Tyra is when someone does it straight and it doesn't have many distractions or interruptions. Tafsamach Gimel, the Mishnah. If a woman rebels against her husband, she's a Meredes, we deduct from her, Ksuba, seven dinarim per week. If he rebels against her, we increase her Ksuba, three dinarim per week. And the Gemara asks, what does the Mishnah mean that she is rebellious? According to Rapuna, rebellious means she refuses to have Tashmish Hamita. According to Rabbi Yaisi Brabchanina, she refuses to do work. The Gemara says he is considered rebellious if he refuses to give her Mazaynas. If she's a Meredes, they make a Hachraza in Shul on four successive Shabbosis, but before we announce it Mamish, we try to persuade her to do Tshuva. And finally, if she says, I can't stand him, and says, I don't want his money either, we let her just leave him, but she has to leave without her Ksupa. The Parsha of Meredes applies to an Arusa, Nesua, as well as a Shomeris Yava, the Mishnah. If someone gives Mazaynas to his wife through an intermediary, he must give her at least two kaven of wheat, four kaven of siren, barley, a half kav of beans, a half leg of shaman, one kav of dried figs. He must provide her also with a bed. Once a year he must buy her a coat with a kerchief and a belt, and new shoes each mayid a number of times per year. New clothes have to be worth at least 50 zuz per year. He has to give her warm clothes in winter and lighter clothing in summer. He must give a ma per week for spending money. Also, she eats with him on Friday night. And if she's nursing, she gets extra money for food. The Gemara. The Mishnah is not like Rabbi and Bebreka or Rabbi Shimon. When someone makes a Erev Tchumen, he must put the amount of food equal to two sudas for each person at the 2,000 amma point. You know, if a person wants to walk beyond the 2,000 amas, then he has to put something beyond the tchum, at the point of the tchum, so you can walk the additional 2,000 amas beyond the point of the end of the tchum. This has to be equal to two sudas for each person. And finally, the Gemara says, there's a machlekes, how many sudas we are machuiv to eat on Shabbos? Two, three, or four. Tafsamachem. We do not provide wine to a woman because it creates too much taiva for tashmish. If she's accustomed to drinking wine, however, and her husband is around, it's okay to give her two cups of wine. But if he's not around, we give her only one kais. If a woman drinks one cup of wine, it's good for her. More than one cup causes her to behave indecently. The Gemara says the clothing she gets once a year, but shoes she gets three times per year in mountainous areas where the shoes wear out very fast. A woman should wear her old clothing while she's a nida, and her new clothing when she's not a nida. So when she's not a nida, she won't be bad-looking to her husband. And finally, the Gemara says, Yisraelim are considered Kedoshim, 
and shouldn't do Tashmis during the day, unless the room is dark, then it's mutter even by day. This marks the end of this parak. Parak Shishi Mitzias Ha'isha, the Mishnah. <clears throat> if a woman finds an article, that article goes to her husband. Any Maisa Yadayim of a wife also go to the husband. But if she's injured, the Baishasu Pagam go directly to her. the Gemara. Rabbi Akiva argues on the Mishnah and says that if she finds something, she keeps it, not the husband. The husband also receives a portion of the Baishasu Pagam, since we say, Ishtai Kegufai. So he suffers some embarrassment also, therefore he receives some of the Baishasu Pagam. As background to the next Mishnah. Nichsei Tsein Barza are the Nedunya. These are clothing, animals, and slaves that the wife brings into the marriage, and he has a chrais for them. If they go down in value, and then they get divorced, he must pay her their full original value. Nichsei Malug she also brings into the marriage, but he isn't responsible for their full value. And the Mishnah says, If a man after Arison said he would give money to his son-in-law, and he died after the Nesuin, he can give it to the dead man's brother, but he doesn't have to. And the Gemara says, even if the dead son-in-law was an Amaretz and the other brother-in-law, brother-in-law, the Yavam, was a Talmud Chacham, he doesn't have to give him the money if he doesn't want to. The next mission. If she brings in Ksafim to the marriage, for every Sela, Sela is four dinar that she brings, he must guarantee a one-third addition, i.e. six dinar, for Nechsei Tzayn Barzal profit. In general, a man must provide a wife with items, Kifi Minig Hamakam. And the Gemara says, In Yerushalayim, Chassanim were obligated to give to the Kala money for Besamim, for spices, for perfumes, etc., because that was the Minig Hamakam. There was a Maisa with Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai who left Yerushalayim on a Chamor, and a young girl asked him for a contribution. She was the daughter of, Ma- of Nakdimen ben Gurion, who was very rich, so it was kind of surprising that she was asking for Tzedakah. He said, a person who gives staka and chesed with his money, it's like salting it away permanently. Because once a person gives staka, he gets this chus forever and ever. And since Nakdimen Ben-Gurion didn't salt it away properly, he lost it all, and therefore his daughter became poor. Rabbi Yechon ben Zakkai says that as long as Klal Yisrael does the Ratzon of Hashem, no one can touch them. But if they don't do the Ratzon of Hashem, they end up serving not only the enemy, but the behemoth of the enemy. Tafsam al-Sayin. When Akdimen ben Gurin used to go to the base Hamigdash, they used to put down a special mat for him and would let the Aniyim keep the special floor mat that he used. So, if he did give Tzedakah, why did he lose all of his riches? The Gemara answers, either he did it all really for his own covet, he really wasn't for Tzedakah, or he didn't give enough Tzedakah for someone who was as rich as he was. Like people say, Lefum gamla shichma. According to the strength of the camel, that's how you load it up. Same thing, according to the riches of a particular person, that, that's how much staka the person is expected to give. The Marsha asks, so he did it for covet. Let's say he did it for his covet. So why was he punished so badly because he gave staka for his covet? We know the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah says that if a person gives staka shlal lishma, that's fine too. If a person gives staka and says the only reason I'm giving it is for the schus b'shviel she'yichyabani, so my son should live a long time, that's also considered very good staka. So he answers, if a person steals from Gaim, even if then he turns around and gives that for tzedakah, he will be punished, not rewarded, because the money that was given to tzedakah came from bad sources, from things that were not done, kahalacha, then it's even worse than not doing it at all. The Mishnah. If someone marries off his daughter without specifying a particular value for the nedunya, he must give her a minimum of 50 zuzim anyways. 
And the Gemara says, if you're dealing with a Yusayma, you should try to provide extra. But a girl Yusayma gets money ahead of a boy Yusayma. If the two of them are coming at the same time, who do you give first? You give to the girl first. Since it's a bigger busha for a Yusayma to be poor and therefore remain unmarried. First we provide, however, a Yusayma with a house and beds. Then we provide him with a wife. Think about it as if an Ani, an Ani bed Taivim, used to be rich. You should try to provide him with the level of wealth he was once accustomed to. In fact, he'll have provided such an aristocrat with a horse and an Eved, since that what he, that's what he had been used to. So you'd want him to live a life without it. Someone once asked Rava for some fancy foods, but he explained he didn't expect the Kihila to provide the food, because Hashem takes care of each person according to his needs on a timely basis. As we know from Tilam, Kapitol Kuf Mem if a person is poor and he refuses to take money from the kihila, you should give it to him as a loan, so he'll take it, and then later on you tell him it was a gift. Rabbi Shimon says, if a person has a lot of money, but he doesn't want to use it for food, but he would rather starve, in other words, he's very cheap, then we don't help him. Marukva used to secretly push money in poor people's mailboxes. Once, he and his wife suspected one of the anim almost saw them, and therefore would be embarrassed. So they ran away into an oven, to a hot oven to hide. It turned out that the oven was very, very hot. And while his feet burned, her feet did not burn, since she had a bigger schus in staka than he did. What does that mean? He only gave staka in terms of money. He gave them the money. Then they had to prepare the food with it. But she used to be at home all the time. So she gave them cooked food in the house, which is a much bigger schus, because it's immediate pleasure. From this, Am Rabbi Yechan learned, Mishum Rabshim Bar Yechai, it's better for a person to have himself thrown into a furnace of fire than to have to end up being malbin to embarrass his friend publicly. Whoever hides his eyes from giving staka, it's equivalent to being an oivid avidazara. The Gemara says if someone pretends he is blind or he pretends that his leg is injured, then he won't die until he is punished mida connected mida with this particular thing. If someone takes staka, but he doesn't need it, he won't die until he becomes poor enough to actually need it. And finally, the Gemara says someone is eligible to receive staka if he doesn't have 200 zuzim to his name, but he's not mukhiyab to sell his house, utensils, or furniture in order to be mafarnas himself. The Mishnah. A Yusayma who's a katana, since she has no father, her mother or brother marry her off, midas, midrabanam. She's supposed to get a nadunya, a dowry, equal to one-tenth of the father's estate. If they write the nadunya for 150 zuzim, when she gets older, she can request a full, her full one-tenth that she's entitled to. Rabbi Yehuda says, if a man married off his oldest daughter and then he died, the second daughter gets a nadunya of similar amount that the first daughter got. The Gemara. Shmuel says nadunya gets evaluated depending on the size of the father's wealth. The Gemara says when we say each child gets one-tenth of the nechassim for nadunya, the first one gets one-tenth. The second one gets one-tenth of what's left, not one-tenth of the original. A nadunya is different from a zainus, which is a tznaik suba, in that the nadunya can be collected from nechasim mishubarim, property that her brother sold already. Mashenkim zainus cannot. Also, nadunya can be collected from karka or metaltolin. Mashenkim zainus are only collected from karka. Tafsamachtas. Amemer says that the schus of getting one-tenth of the property as nadunya to a daughter is received behilchas yerusha. But Ravashi says the schus is midin chayv, not midin yerusha. Think of mercy, we know that a mourner sits at the head of the table 
when he eats, and that is learned from a pasuk in either Eov or Amos, the Mishnah. If someone gives money for his daughter through a shliach, and the job of the shliach is to buy a piece of land for her, and then he died, she at this point says, no, you know what? I don't want, I don't want it that way. Just give the money to my husband and let him buy me the land. Rameir says the shliach should buy the field and not give the money directly to the daughter. Since mitzvah l'kayim divrei mace. The mace wanted it a certain way. He wanted it through the shliach, so that's what you have to do. Iglesi says it's okay to give the money to the husband, since a field is a field. So it doesn't really matter, because whoever gets it, eventually she could do whatever she wants with it anyway. And the Gemara says, this would only be mutter if she's a good daughter. If a father wrote in his tzava that a son should get one shekel per week, if there's inflation, we give him extra money. But if Himamish specified clearly that he gets only one shekel, then we can't change it. Since we paskin like Rameir, mitzvahs l'kayim divrei hames. Dafayim. Metaltalin sold by a child is valid, but karka they cannot sell until these ketanim become gedolim. This marks the end of this parak. On the next tape, Amir Tisham, we will begin the seventh parak, Hamadir.